0: On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors have unquestionably improved since acquiring Yaka Purtle, but how much better have they actually gotten? And it doesn't matter. Is it going to propel them to playoff success? And more importantly, is this team worth investing in going forward? We'll talk about those questions and more as we take a look at the final couple of weeks of the 2022 23 Raptors with Louis Zatzman of Raptors Republic. It's all coming up today. Thanks for hanging. Oh, like because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot trying to miss. So. episode number 1373 of Lockdown Raptors for Tuesday, April the 4th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on Twitter at Sean. More importantly, go subscribe to Lockdown Raptors on Instagram. Subscribe, follow, I don't know. I'm very bad at Instagram and I don't know the terminology, but please go follow me over there. You'll get clips, you get daily posts of when the episodes go live. You can respond, give me mailbag questions, all that good stuff over there on ig you can also subscribe to the podcast for free on youtube or wherever you get your podcasts in audio form it's much appreciated when you support the show however you choose to do so i think you should do it on all of the platforms to help boost the numbers and make me feel good but that's just me today's show is brought to you by game time download the game time app create an account and use the code locked on nba for 20 bucks off your first purchase last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed with game time all right on today's show we are joined by the wonderful Lewis Zatzman of Raptors Republic, one of, uh, you know, I, I think one of my fellow islanders on It's Fine Island most of the time, on, uh, hey, maybe the Raptors are actually kind of fun island. And uh, you've been covering this season wonderfully over at Raptors Republic all season long as the managing editor. Ed- editor, Lewis, how the hell are you, buddy? Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah, I agree. You know, we have similar takes on what... Sports are supposed to bring us, um, you know, not that everyone has to, but you and I definitely do do sort of try to consume and engage in the same way, which I really appreciate. I am doing wonderfully. Uh, My kid was sick for like two weeks, but he's back at daycare starting yesterday, which means life is grand. (laughs)
0: I'm glad you have uh, gotten the reprieve from Sick Child. Uh, Can't relate at all. No kids on this end, and uh, it's probably for the best for everybody. Uh, All right, let's get into it. Lewis. Uh, the uh, Toronto Raptors, of course, are now four games from the end of the regular season. The play-in tournament, I believe, is a week from today it begins, which is very mm-hmm. exciting. Everyone is having a wonderful time with the play-in, of course. Uh, the eight seed still on the table, all of that. But you wrote a piece yesterday that I wanted to bring you on the show to talk about, and it was about how... Through all of the misery, through all of the bad, the downs, the poor on-court play, the off-court noxious vibes, everything that has come with this season, the Raptors have maybe kind of turned things around, saved the season even, if you will, since the yakup trade. They're, what, 16-10 and 10 now since the start of February? That's really good. That's a nice thing to see. Yep. Lewis, the question on everybody's mind, I think, you know, we've been kind of using this last stretch of the season as a bit of an information gathering period as much as anything else, as much as it is a push to the plane. It's also a let's figure out what we got for next year type of situation. And so my question to you is, Lewis, based on the piece you wrote... The Raptors have saved their season. Have they saved their season enough to give you confidence in this group of dudes going forward? You know, we'll talk about the coaching stuff and all that stuff that hangs over the team right now. But the players on the floor, the core six, if you want to call it that. You can throw Precious Chew in there if you want. Chris Boucher on down the line. Maybe you think Jeff Doughton's a core piece. That's fun, too. Curious where you're at just as far as has this team proven enough since acquiring Yaka Purtle to suggest that it's maybe worth keeping around and keeping together beyond just this season?
1: So I think the goal for this core was never to win a championship on its own. Yeah. Uh, if they, I mean, I really think they would have in 1920 if the world hadn't (laughs) ended but that's neither here nor there at this point
0: but just Um, uh it's fun that we can that that season's so incomplete that we can say that and no one can really question it it's awesome
1: (laughs) i think everyone can claim that the lakers would not uh, like 29 franchises can say the lakers would not have won this championship otherwise Mm -hmm. uh basically yeah whichever teams had you know guys who didn't want to party in the bubble everyone wanted to party that changed <laughs> things whatever uh so um teetotalers won the championship but uh i think the the <laughs> idea of this group the true never... cowards
0: championship yes yeah uh, exactly if you can't do this it while boozing is it even a title uh carry this off. is
1: the championship of like the getting an a on the bell curve in your 7 a.m university class. Cause you're the only one who goes, doesn't. So the goal for this group was like you said, information gathering and to, you know, to gather experience and to, um, you know, to, to, to improve the guys while you do that. But I think Masai and Bobby probably um, recognized when they took over the Kyle and DeMar team, that that team was not going to break through and win a championship. Mm-hmm. Barring extreme extreme circumstances, and but they still kept it together for a couple of years because it was worth keeping together. It was fun. It was winning, and also if you have a good a team that's worth keeping together and fun and winning, you're not that many moves from a championship, as they yeah. found out. And so this Raptors team, I think, was the goal was to build a similar core to that, not in style but in terms of distance from success, transactional yeah. distance, if you will. Mm-hmm. And last year, they actually looked quite close, right? They Pascal grew into his own and they had all these great defenders blossom. And, and Fred was an all-star and look, no one fooled themselves. Well, few people fooled themselves into thinking last year's Raptors were a championship team. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they were supposed to be, but they made a lot of steps forward to reducing the number of transactions to becoming a championship team. And for much of this year, they, they, lo- they lost the plot. They had fallen off yeah. the road, uh, and the number of transactions to become a championship team were, like, infinite. You just had to throw it out the window. But they have defenestrated themselves with the Jakob-Pertl trade. Um, have you ever played the game Rush Hour? Do you know? Like, as a kid... Was, I've watched the had,
0: movies a million times, <laughs> but I've no, not this played is the game. Even better, it was okay. like a little even better than the Rush Hour movies. All right, well, these I'm game's listening. made my childhood. <laughs> oh, that made me
1: seem like such a loser. But you had these <laughs> trucks in a thing, and you had one truck that there was like an entrance row and an, the same as the exit row, and all the other rows were like gridlock. Okay. And uh, you set up all the trucks. There was like a book that told you the setups. And you had to enter your truck and move all the other ones, like, one slide over uh, to slowly move yours across the gridlock of Rush Hour. Like
0: one of those uh, those little, like, uh, puzzles that a mouse finds cheese in, basically, that, that type of deal? More or less.
1: But yeah, okay. more complicated <laughs> for a human child. Sure. Anyway, uh, I love that game. And for a long time, the Raptors were just gridlocked this season. They yeah. just, like, they couldn't move. But Jakob Pertl really opens up Scotty Barnes has been phenomenal. Fred has turned into a really dominant lead guard. You know, OG has just exploded. The The team construction makes sense. And look, no one's saying this team's going to win a championship. They're mm-hmm. not getting out of the first round, even if they get to the first round. But at least you can say, look, I see the path to moving these other trucks out of the way. And now we get out and, and this is how we become a championship team again.
0: Yeah, I think that, Is, I mean, you're just kind of pulling hits from the podcast all season long, really, because like that's where I've been at. Is there, I, I feel like there's this warped, just sort of understanding of how team building works in the NBA. And I feel like it's gotten so black and white in sort of the general discourse of you're either a contender or you're scum who should be tanking for lottery odds. And I just, Don't agree with that. It's not the spirit of how sports are supposed to work. And in an NBA where, uh, you know, I've been talking about this for a couple weeks now, like in an NBA NBA where two-thirds of the league is kind of average, you're not actually that far away from pulling yourself out of that average muck. And you could argue the Raptors have gotten close to doing that in the 22 games since Jakob Pertl arrived. It's not a finished product by any means. The bench is still... Pretty leaky. The bench, uh, you know, the the starters have their own sort of, you know, fit issues to sort through and figure out and massage. But that's stuff that can be done over time. And it does feel like they've set themselves back up on the track to go and have a sustained run of being pretty good, which is really what I think the goal is. For basically every front office should be because it's a realistic goal that gets you into the position where then you can then make moves and swing for things that bring you to the unrealistic goal, which is contendership in a league where four teams are contenders at most every year. You just you got to build yourself up to that point. And I think the Raptors have started to do that. We're going to come back on the other side. I want to ask you a question. Which team you got, this year's team or last year's team, as currently constructed versus how it was constructed at the end of last year? We will get into that question and continue this chat with Lewis in just a second. Before we do that, however, got to tell you about a brand new sponsor here on the podcast and that is game time. I love going to sporting events and I gotta say I'm not covering the team as a credentialed media member this year and there are parts of it I miss like hanging out with our buddy Lewis and eating food next to him after we've stood in line at a concession stand that's always very fun but I love going to games this year on short notice when the moment strikes when I realize oh they're playing the Hornets on a Tuesday night at home that's the game for me baby and game time is the way that you can get those tickets on on short notice forget planning months and events game time has deals on tickets right into the day of the event get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more and game time guarantees that you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section row for less game time will credit you 100 percent 110 percent of the difference that is amazing and you can get images of your seat before you buy so you're not guessing am I gonna have good sight lines or not why is this ticket so cheap is it behind a pillar no it's on game time that's why it's cheap, baby. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email either. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. That's substantial for a late season NBA game. Maybe you want to go to the last game against the Bucks, where no one's going to play for Milwaukee. You can go and do that and use that 20 bucks to get yourself a deal. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed.
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, we continue on here. Louis Zatzman of uh, Raptors Republic. Louis, I, had, I teased a question I wanted to ask you. You had a, a second there to think about it while I was doing the ad read. Uh, I want to ask you, this year's team, as it stands, 39-39, and 39, but of course, 16-10 and 10 since the arrival of Jakob Purtle, playing good ball. Closing the season kind of at a similar clip to what last year's team did going into the playoffs, red hot, winning 48 games, and kind of not losing down the stretch at all. Which team you got? Last year's team or this year's team? Just a simple question. Which team is better? Okay. So I think this year's team.
1: hmm But there's some – Can I, I want to explain
0: why. Okay. I ask you a black and white question <laughs> where I'm looking for a take – and then you come in and you're all, I have some nuance to share with you. Go ahead, Lewis, share your nuance.
1: <laughs> so I think this year's teams, they're, they're, by the way, their net ratings, like from February on almost identical last year's mm-hmm. was a touch stronger fraction of a, of a, of a point. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, But this team has been, you know, on a winning uh s- streak, but not all in a row, but like over the, period of a few months equal to whatever last season's team yeah. put forward. Right. It's been a really mm-hmm. good run, but the difference is when last year closed, Fred, Fred's knee was just gone, right? Yeah. He, yeah. his defense was gone. His catch and shoot shooting was gone to the extent that, you know, he played a couple games in the playoffs, could not really do a lot. Couldn't stay in front of Maxi, And, you know, it really hurts me to say, but with him being really hobbled, Raptors were kind of better in the playoffs when he sat out due to injury, which is mm-hmm. really painful to say, but you know, he just wasn't himself. And this year right now, he is himself. He's healthy, he's dominant. Uh and just by virtue of Fred being what he is now versus what he was at the end of last year, that swings it for me. Now, last mm-hmm. year, of course, one of the major reasons why they went on the run was Precious Achiuwa became Giannis Antetokounmpo with the jumper. Uh, <laughs> the guy was just playing out of his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, this year's team is less reliant on that. Mm-hmm. They can survive without him going berserk. Last year's teams just couldn't. They, If he didn't go berserk, that team was not winning games. Um, he had a great game against Charlotte. You know, he ran in, in transition. His defense was solid. I, I'm still hopeful that he can go berserk now and then. Mm-hmm. But for them not to need it because Pirtle's in town because Coloco can play 10 minutes where he just blots out the sun, his defense. <laughs> oh, my God. Is Since Pirtle came in and Coloco has been asked to say, look, play 10 minutes, block some shots, mm-hmm. run. He has been so good in that role. It's crazy. So, yeah, you know, there's there's reasons why last year's team maybe had a higher ceiling. But this year's team is just much more dependable. And that's what the Raptors have lacked more than anything, is dependability. And that's why I would take this year's team.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately for me, it just comes down to uh, this year's team has Jakob Pertl. Last year's team didn't, <laughs> and therefore <laughs> oh, yeah, this that year's team is better. Yeah, I also think Scotty Barnes is a better version of himself now than I think you... He... Actually, that's a pretty interesting argument. Uh, you know, either way, I think the defense for Scotty is better now than it was a year ago. Oh, yeah. I think that there's been some pretty big strides there dude, of late. Dude. I think the... You know the scoring around the rim and the sort of the, the the two point wizardry maybe has dropped off a bit this year, but it's been much stronger over the last little stretch. Um, that's a pretty interesting toss up, but at the very least, it's kind of a wash. Scotty versus Scotty. Pascal, I think is maybe the guy that you kind of look at of maybe this is a lesser version of Pascal, but then you look at the numbers and it's like, Oh, he's just, since the Yakup pertle trade, his numbers are basically his numbers from last season when he was an all NBA player, uh, just with like slightly less efficiency. I, I, I mean, let, let's get into Pascal, shall we? Cause I, he's been, I think a lightning rod for a lot of folks. And if there is an area in the team that maybe hasn't improved, or that's been like a big sort of sore thumb question mark, it's been the erratic fit, I would say, of Pascal with the starting five. And I think there have been games where it's looked incredible. And you kind of noted in the piece, he's sort of settled into he's the wing creator. He can, you know, kind of do his work in post ups. He can play as a secondary creation agent yeah. next to that yak Fred pick and roll. You got OG doing his off ball stuff. You got Scotty tying it all together like a nice big muscly bow. It's all lovely. But with Pascal, What have you seen since the act trade? Is there anything that's been of major concern for you? Anything that's kind of missing from the Pascal we saw in the first 50 some odd games when he was just kind of everything for the team and had to put the team on his back most nights just to, you know, scrape out a result. Where are you at with Pascal and how he fits into this whole picture as we wind down on this experimental period where there's only a couple games left to see how this all works before a lot of questions have to be asked in the off season. So there's,
1: Two or three things that really stick out to me as the difficulties.
0: Um,
1: People have talked about Pirtle making things harder for Siakam because uh, there's just another body in the paint. And I think that, you know, that may be true in principle, but the reason why... Pascal, look, Pascal's used to bodies being in the paint, right? Like, the (laughs) team has never given him spacing. The team has never given him room to operate he's always you know scrounged crumbs and turns turn them into layups or floaters so mm-hmm. that shouldn't have been such a hindrance to him uh, but when you really look at it i think his timing has been different from everyone's with purple right barnes is an immediate pass he makes the pass the second it's available mm-hmm. fred van vliet dusts dudes off the dribble he's actually getting into the paint you know, forcing rotations. Siakam hasn't been able to beat his guy off the bounce, which he was doing early in the year, right? He's just, his legs aren't there, his handle's not there. For whatever reason, he hasn't been just leaving guys in the dust, in the half court. And on top of that, he he's used more time to make choices. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes he'll make a play, a guy will cut, but then Siakam will, you know, turn his back to the basket again in the process of making a move. And the timing is just not there with the cutters. Um, you know, we saw against Charlotte, the timing was there. The The, the laydowns were actually phenomenal to Pirtle where, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, he'd, he'd go, he'd make his little spin, go up a half, like, go up halfway and then just dump it off to Pirtle for a dunk or a, a lay. in they had a lot of those, you know, against maybe the worst defense the league has seen since the process Sixers. So let's, you know, keep that in mind. <laughs> but... Uh, the timing is a learned thing like it will get there because Siakam is a phenomenal creator, if mm-hmm. not as natural a one as Barnes. So I think it's it makes sense that uh, it would take extra time for him and Pirtle to uh, to sort of figure out each other's patterns mm-hmm. because they, they're they both very different players from what they were when they played together before. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, I also think it's hard for Siakam because his role has changed. Right. Fred is running the show. And yeah. Siakam has asked to, you know, make quicker decisions to touch the ball less. Um, so things, there's a bunch of things working against him that would explain why, uh, you know, he hasn't been dominating like he has. His jumpers fallen off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, his counters have been his primaries, and his primaries haven't been super successful. His touch from the short mid range has gone from like the best in the league to slightly below average, which is probably that's burying the lead. I think that's the biggest thing of all. Uh, So, you know, his free throw rates fallen off. There's a ton of stuff and they're all interconnected. All in all, I think it has been trending upward the last two or three weeks, right? Yeah. Um, He is improving, but I don't think we can expect him to get back to the level he was at in the beginning of the year where it was just, he can't have a bad game. He can have a bad shot making game. But he won't ever have a game where the process is bad. I think that's too much to ask right now with the context being what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do expect him to get back to an all-star level contributor, which he has been. You know, uh, I do expect that to remain consistent. So a lot going on, um, a lot that's probably under-discussed,
0: um, but trending in the right direction. I mean, this was the corner the front office painted themselves into, right? was, we got 26 games to figure this thing out, and you're not going to figure all of it out in that short amount of time. It was a pretty ambitious sort of decision and direction by the front office and look i think they've been vindicated in large part because the team is better they're 16 or whatever they are 3 13 and 9 since the deadline 13 and 8 since yak became a starter 16 and 10 since the start of february i think they've been proven correct that they were one yak a hurdle away from being a sensible basketball team but there's still stuff that needs to be ironed out and for me like i just pascal didn't forget how to be an excellent basketball player right like i think there's a fatigue element here. We, you, you can't complain all season long about, oh, my God, this guy's playing too many minutes. And then once the minutes start to show their effect, be like, this guy stinks now. Like, that's yeah. not how it works. Like, it's it's very clear that he's dragging ass a little bit. He's a little slow. He's having a hard time <laughs> turning the corner. And that's not something I think that's going to just be what Pascal Siakam is now and he's also the kind of guy who's smart enough crafty enough built it around craft and touch enough and footwork that he can probably get around that as well as we've seen him start to adapt here
1: i do think siakam is going to be a uh an efficient catch and shoot shooter at some point in his career the jumper is i i believe in his jumper yeah uh and i think scotty is probably you know has a higher ceiling as a short roll creator also low volume Really, really efficient numbers as a short roll creator. Yeah. Uh, especially when five out around them. So, you know, maybe Siakam's the spacer and Scotty's the short roll roller. Uh in mm-hmm. in minutes when Purtles on the bench or something and Precious is whatever. But I think there's there's paths forward for this team to build that. But uh, you know, I'm I'm really optimistic about their future, if not a hundred percent about their present right now on the offensive mm-hmm. end.
0: Yeah, I think in short. You know, the Siakam fit with this group isn't perfect, but that's not a reason to not have him around, is maybe... No, no, I'm of, not advocating yeah. for trading anyone. Yeah, like, I think, yeah, you're never going to build a perfect basketball team. You got to figure it out, and there are constraints on every team with their personnel. Every That's the beauty of basketball. It's why we like it, is every player yeah. is different and comes with their yeah. own foibles and the opposite of foibles. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They'll figure it out. I'm not as good at the words as you are, Lewis. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to dig wait. into the last little stretch of the season and dig into the stuff we're most excited to watch. We're going to have some positivity corner uh, to close out the show. We'll do that in just a sec. Before we do that, got to tell you about our friends over at BetterHelp. Today's show is brought to you by BetterHelp. And look, therapy is a difficult thing for some people to sort of reckon with. Hey, I don't need that stuff, that's not for me. I'm all good, my brain is healthy. Sometimes you don't even know you need therapy, but BetterHelp is here to show you how it can help you. Getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding because sometimes we don't even know what we want or why we react the way we do until we talk through some things. And you talk to some people in your day-to-day life and there's agendas, they have their own baggage going on on as well, you may be not getting a full ear that you can just talk to about you and worry about no other strings attached. BetterHelp can be the way to help you find a licensed therapist who can take you on that journey of self-discovery from wherever you are to wherever it is you want to go. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: All right, rounding up the show here, Louis Zatzman of Raptors Republic along as we dig into the stuff we're most excited to watch down the stretch of the season here just four games left against teams who may or may not be playing scrubs uh the hornets certainly will be because that's their whole team is comprised what if we built the whole plane out of scrubs uh i'm sorry i know there are you're the type of person who will be like yeah but nick richards uh didn't mean to offend your sensibilities lewis um but you know the hornets are the hornets you got the celtics twice They may be locked into the number two seed by the time they at least play the second of those games, maybe as early as the first, and uh, they might get uh, some fortune here down the stretch going into the play-in. We know the play-in stakes and what it's at right now in terms of the eighth seed race, all of that. That Bulls-Hawks game tonight looms exceptionally large in everyone's minds. What do you got, Lewis? What's kind of getting you juiced up as we get into the final stretch here going into the play-in? Is there something, you know, tactically? that the team is doing you're interested by is there like a storyline a specific player you got an eye on what's got you uh what's got the juices flowing for you as we head into the final stretch here for your 2022-23 toronto raptors so i'll start with the opponents just really
1: briefly boston and milwaukee don't have bad players so Mm -hmm. even if they rest tatum and brown and Giannis and drew and and chris uh they're still going to have really fun teams out there. Like getting the ninth
0: seed because Luke Cornette goes off. It's a hundred percent happening. Oh my God. (laughs) Like those aren't going to
1: be boring, (laughs) meaningless games. Well, Uh they might be meaningless, but they're not going to be boring because there's going to be really fun teams to watch as opponents. So I'm actually quite excited that, you know, if it's Denver, for example, resting their stars, you're not getting a good product. Um, But Boston-Milwaukee resting their stars, you're going to get really fun basketball to watch, which I'm happy about. Um, As far as Toronto, uh, Charlotte game was maybe the first. Look, Nick Nurse has been talking for a long time about how we don't love Precious as a center. We kind of prefer him as a wing, which the numbers have backed up repeatedly this season. Uh, and yet he kept on playing him as a center and then yanking him when he couldn't do it. It's like, dude, you just said he can't do it. Try him elsewhere. And uh, you're Charlotte, saying Nick
0: nurse has maybe been, uh, talking out of both sides of his mouth at times this season. What? I would never, <laughs> um, it's deep in the podcast. Don't worry. And I said it, you're fine. <laughs> Charlotte though, Nick, uh, played, uh,
1: him alongside Coloco. Um, he played him at four, uh, and he played a five beside him. And it was awesome. The defense mm-hmm. really held up. Achua got out and transitioned a ton. He was dunking everything. He didn't dunk that he didn't. He was, like, trying to remount. He didn't think he dunked it, but he dunked it. How do you not know you dunk it when What you
0: power it? that is. Like, oh, <laughs> didn't so even realize I, I yammed. What?
1: <laughs> Precious Achua <laughs> is one of my favorite players, especially when he's just absurd. Have you ever read mm-hmm. Samuel Beckett? Or like any uh, other absurdist literature. Not,
0: not uh, in any time in my life where I would have retained it. Let's put it that or way. Like, um, uh, yeah. Uh,
1: Rosenkrantz and Gildenstern are dead. You know, the classic. Lewis, you're absurdist. smarter
0: than me. We've already established this. I don't know these the, these books. These these. these. I, know... is,
1: I love when players aren't perfect. Mm-hmm. Everyone complains when Giannis shoots threes. I love when he shoots threes. That's his like mm-hmm. Greek tragedy, uh, butting into his own flaws. Right?
0: See, I took okay, I took a classics class. I'm you're with me now. Talk me through the Greek yeah. tragedy of it all. Let's go. R-
1: right? No one like Odysseus is way more boring than Achilles because mm-hmm. Odysseus is just this dude who figures everything out, and he's also the fastest and the strongest, and he can k- slaughter the suitors. Like it's just not that interesting to. me. Achilles has his weakness, right? He, he knows he'll, his doom. It's much mm-hmm. more interesting. I find Giannis so interesting because of that flaw and because he embraces it. He doesn't just stop shooting threes. He's like, no, I will shoot threes. I'm, Achua, I'm bringing a
0: challenge into the mix here. Exactly.
1: <laughs> when Achua is dominant, yes, it's fun because he's like the best player in the league, but it's just as fun in a very different way when he is bumbling and doesn't always know what the play is and he's in the wrong place and he catches the ball and doesn't know what to do. I find that fascinating because it's not Greek tragedy. It's, you know, it's definitely absurdist, but it's, it's fascinating because you don't see that on the NBA court. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I really enjoy watching him work through that and the team work through that. And it's basketball's fun, whether they're winning or losing. So um, but he has been playing great or he played great the last game when he was a power forward. I'm excited to see him do more of that going forward. I'm also excited to see OG uh, transition a couple more possessions here and there to hit his own creation. He's been really, really solid because when he drives, he gets deeper than anyone. He just he's so powerful. Walking paint and, touch. Yeah. Yeah. Walking paint touch. Right. And the Raptors don't have that. You know, Fred has been that with Pirtle. Um, but obviously Fred has his flaws around the rim, or he hasn't recently, but, you know, during mm-hmm. his career. Whereas OG dunks everything. <laughs> um, and so I'm, I'm excited to watch uh, Ananobi during this hottest of hot streaks. There's a lot I'm looking at. You know, um, if Downton gets converted, Downton, he mm-hmm. might get a lot more minutes. He's really fun on the defensive end. He's just, he's so mobile and active. Um, basketball's fun, especially when the team is competent. So I'm excited to watch a competent
0: team be fun. I think it's at its most fun when the team is competent, but clearly flawed with things to figure out. I think that makes for uh, intriguing and fun watching. Am I saying a 500 team is cool and good? Yeah. Uh, YouTube (laughs) freaks, I am. It's cool. It's good. Um. I'm glad you talked about precious because, by the way, I have not done enough propaganda of, and maybe you're the person I can sort of disseminate this through. I've been really trying to get a nickname to catch on this year. I haven't tried hard enough, but the poster coaster, uh, you know, riff off of the Ghoster Coaster at, at Wonderland. He does dunks, posters. He's a roller coaster of a man. Just tell your friends. Tell tell a friend. That's, that's all I. I don't hate that. Okay, so the poster coaster, I think, absolutely. Him getting into the lineup is just a good thing down the stretch here. Hopefully, he continues to get minutes after his performance against the Hornets because he's uh, he's fun. He, he unlocks a new level for the team when he yep. is doing his thing. Um, and, and you know, and he's good power forward, <laughs> shooting guard, baby. He's new norm, uh, new big norm. Is is kind of what I've been hoping for with him. But that that's a really really good one. I I think to watching the sort of we talked about it Pascal like the ongoing sort of figuring out of the fit and how it all kind of works in in a cohesive manner like that's a thing i've certainly got my eye on also let me ask you before we round out like play in game uh, are, are you yeah. excited for the the single elimination meat grinder are you terrified like I feel like it's impossible to not have at least some fun with the idea of a single elimination basketball game, Lewis. We'll wrap after this, but like, uh, do I'm some so propaganda excited. for why it's cool and good and, and why, play in for what, this is why. Because it's fun. It's fun. That's, that's, that's why. <laughs> I love long series because I
1: love the adjustments. I love digging mm-hmm. into what teams are changing. That's really fun for me. But the one game elimination is going to be fun for a totally different reason. Just really enjoyable desperation. There's a reason people love March Madness. And we're going to have a little of that with the Raptors. Um, Now, it's kind of unfair because our income depends... You know, on them winning, so um,
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. Year, people love the draft, but when like whether they're losing and like high in the draft, the the people that's come true. out, baby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, though, I have you know, I'll be I'll be
1: writing about the rest of the playoffs. I'll be writing about the Bucks after the Raptors lose. So this year, especially, I'm less um, frenzied about my income drying up with the <laughs> Raptors winning drying up. So that's a, that's a really good thing. I can just sort of not. Uh, not tie so much of my 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 life into it in mm-hmm. a very different way from fandom it's weird but um yeah play is gonna be fantastic uh there have been some blowouts in the history like the hornets have been in two in games I doubt any team ever they've lost them by a combined like 50 something points
0: yeah it's been pretty um, grim I've, it's
1: been very hornets th- <laughs> yeah there have not been a lot of fun in games. And I'm hoping the Raptors break that
0: weird streak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They play play a lot of close games. They're maybe not the greatest yeah, in closing do. them out, but they play a lot of close games. That's cool. Yeah. Um, That's the most yeah. we can hope for single elimination basketball we all love it and uh i'm excited to be a part of it and hey the downside is oh hey you get an extra lottery ball or two that's fine too i suppose not that i really care all that much about draft lottery odds but uh you know some people do we're gonna leave it there man thank you so much for for popping on this was a nice therapeutic happy chat about the toronto raptors lewis it's been dark times you got coaching specters you've got uh off-season change and the winds and all that blown around but this has been a really really great fun chat about a fun basketball team that's maybe not great but is certainly good and uh hopefully trending towards great at some point down the line lewis you're always great where can people check out your work and uh find all the good stuff you got going on uh always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Talking to you
1: is always a breath of fresh air. You're so positive. I love it. Uh you can find my work at, <laughs> I'm sorry um, uh to the people <laughs> out there who hate it, but yeah. Thanks, You <laughs> No, it's good for for the brain. Um you can find my work at nba.com/bucks. Uh, I'm writing with Bucks. You can find my work at 538. Um I have a piece going up about the Dallas Mavericks speaking about not fun um and you can find my work, of course, at Raptors Republic, as you can see right beside my name.
0: Yes, uh, go subscribe to Raptors Republic, huh? Pay your good, hard-earned money so folks like Lewis and Samson and Jamar and uh, Kelsey and everyone over there can keep on doing their thing because the thing y'all do is really, really good. Uh, thanks, Lewis. Find me on Twitter, at Sean. Find the show on Instagram, LockedOnRaptors. Uh, subscribe, follow, rate, review the podcast for free wherever you get your podcast. Also. The season is winding down. Once we get to the off season, big announcement, Lewis. I, I I decided now is the time I want to share it. Maybe because I have to hold myself to it. But here's a drum roll. Uh, after the season ends, the long-awaited return of ranking. Every Raptor! Woo! Yeah! We love it! Woo! For those who aren't familiar, who are not chanting right now in Glee, uh, my extremely tedious annual column that I used to write for Raptors HQ, Ranking Every Raptor, will be coming back after a one-year year hiatus, and I'll be doing it in video form! YouTube, baby! You'll be able to check out Individual, I'm going to have like 250 little videos ranking every player in Toronto Raptors history. We'll weave them into the podcast at times as well. Uh, But that you have to look forward to. Ranking every Raptor is coming back once the season ends. More details to come. There will be probably some sort of voting element this time around. Um, So that's cool. Otherwise, uh, yeah, just wanted to get that out there. It's very exciting. I'm very excited. I'm going to have my editing chops really put to the test, I think. Either way. Lewis, thank you, sir. Listeners, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow as we break down Raptors Hornets 2.0. And uh, hopefully, we're doing so in, in happy terms and not uh, all depressed because the Raptors lost to the Hornets in embarrassing fashion <laughs> and Theo Theomaladon went nuts. Uh, anyway, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Thanks so much for hanging.